Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, the original additive manufacturing podcast and your source for news, interviews and comments on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence. Brought to you by TCT Magazine. I'm your host Sam Davis and today I'm joined by Victor Roman, the Managing Director of Arberg Additive. Arberg set up its additive manufacturing subsidiary in 2021 after introducing its free form of 3D printing technology several years earlier. As the head of that business unit, Roman joins the Additive Insight podcast to discuss why the subsidiary was set up, the application opportunities its free form of technology is opening up, and the company's additive manufacturing material strategy. We also touch on AM's impact on manufacturing supply chains and the industry's place on the Gartner hype cycle. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more Additive Insight, head on over to tctmagazine.com where you can subscribe to the print edition of TCT Magazine and our weekly Additive Insight newsletter for free. Victor, welcome to the Additive Insight podcast. Arberg has been working with additive manufacturing technology for many years now, but in 2021, it decided to set up its Arberg Additive subsidiary. Can you explain the motivation for setting up that business unit, obviously many years after the launch of the technology? Yes, of course. Um, We started very early, 2007, with development of a new AM technology, we introduced this technology 2013 on the k in Düsseldorf, and then we improved the system the last years. But the last three years, we buy, we both um, the company Innovatic, former German rep rep, very well known in the additive market. And then uh, we decided to to create, to establish a new company, especially for additive manufacturing, uh, where we bundled all the AM activities uh, under one roof. And with this action, we wanted to leverage synergies and uh, to be able to offer the customer a solution-oriented technology portfolio. So, and that's I think so the history and now we have a very wide portfolio with our free former uh, printing uh, pellet materials and with the innovative products. That means the TIQ with filament printers and with the LIQ, uh, a unique printer printing uh, fluids silicon. On the uh, the free form of technology that the Arberg has, has developed and, and brought to market, can you explain what Arberg sees as, as the key capabilities of of that printing process? The main idea of the free former was to work with the same material that we process in injection molding. That we, that means with pellets, with original pellets, and that was 2013. It was magnificent where our work, where we showed uh, that we can do this. And secondly, we are a manufacturer with experience about 60 years in uh, machining technologies. And so we have a machine 
with a very, it's made in Germany, you know, it's with a very high precision. And so we can build parts, 3D parts with very high precision, with very high tolerances and very strong reproducibility. And the second thing in the process is that we have a unique technology in the process by the piezo-driven process where we can create droplets. And so we are able to, uh, to change the density in the part. So we can uh, take a very small density that then we produce soft parts, or we can increase the density very high, then we have strong parts. <laughs> and last but not least, when I'm speaking about, we can make the density very high. We have parts, we can create parts with a density about 100%. And that's a lot for the additive market in the plastic sector. And obviously, Arberg has introduced the, the 3D printing technology, but it, it's probably more renowned for its its work in, in the injection molding sector. Um, how would you compare additive manufacturing technology to injection molding? How do you, how, where, where do they complement each other? Where does perhaps additive make more sense and where does injection molding make more sense? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I love this question because, you know, in additive manufacturing, you don't need an injection mold, a molding tool and a molding tool and without molding tool you are much more faster in your development process and for small serious parts you are much more cheaper and at last at least you can print all geometries that you want you know it can be a complex geometry that you cannot print with injection molding, uh, that you can manufacture with injection molding, but you can print it with a free form or with additive manufacturing. So, and that was the reason where a lot of people thought, and me too, that when we are printing pellets, the same material from injection molding, um, we have a, com a complementary technology where we can start the process development, especially for automotive sector, we can start the, the development sector and we can iterate very fast. We can produce the, the prototypes very fast. And then when we are ready, then we can change the injection molding. But life is not so easy that we thought then because you need other geometries, you need other tolerances, you don't have uh, the qualities uh, that you uh, can receive by injection molding. So you have to rethink the whole process. You have to think uh, in order to produce for additive manufacturing. And I think this is our a very challenging point in the moment, also in the moment, to think in additive manufacturing, to build parts for, for additive manufacturing, because you have the possibilities, but not to say I'm designing for additive manufacturing and then later I'm going to injection molding. That's not working. And when, when the two technologies are compared, if you think about uh, perhaps, you know, the addressable markets that Arberg sees of AM <clears throat> and when you're working with, with customers and, and partners, 
how challenging is it when additive manufacturing technology is being compared to injection molding? How how challenging is it to, I guess, educate and explain that, you know, additive can there's some benefits, but it isn't going to be able to do perhaps the volumes of that they might expect of injection molding. How, t- talk to me about those conversations you have with with customers who probably have worked with Arbor for for a while. Yes, I think there are there are some 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 key points, some USPs of additive manufacturing that are very important for some industries. The first point uh, you called it um, it's individualization. Mm-hmm. It's a typical point for medicine med- medical applications because you have some beans or some 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 components in the in the in the body they are all different they, they are all individualized and there we have a very strong possibility with additive manufacturing and with the particular material for the medicine applications certified materials uh, we have the possibility to print these parts specially for each body, for each application. So it means medical applications for me um, a very, very important um, industry sector. The second point are small quantities. And when we're speaking of small, small quantities, one example is the aircraft industry. They have one plane or two planes and they have to to make something new in the airplane and it has to be a very fast process and these small quantities you can design and print with additive manufacturing very quickly and then also very cheaply because you don't need the molding tool so that means aircraft i think the whole mobility sector i, I have another example but the mobility sector is predestinated for additive manufacturing. The third point, mobility sector, when we speak about railway, it can be a metro, it can be a train, it can be something else. You have to think that the trains or they are, I don't know, they they are, they have a lifetime about 30, 40, 50 years and you don't have drawings you for old parts and, but you need these old parts, you need to to reproduce these old parts and this replacing you can do it with am because you 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 can redesign the part and you can print and we speak about small quantities you don't need an injection uh, a mold tool so you can make it very fast and the last thing and i think there in this we have a lot of potential are industrial applications, some something like grippers or auxiliary tools um, where the manufacturer needs a tool next day. And he needs this tool perhaps one, two, three times. For additive manufacturing, that's no, not, not a problem. We have some tools for us for our work because we manufacture also in additive for our internal manufacturing. And we have some tools, we produce them with designing and producing in two days. Yeah. With the old processes, we needed something like, I don't know, one, two, three weeks, you know, depending on the people that are there and they are capable to do this. And so you, you, can, you can accelerate this process very strong. Mm-hmm. And so these are 
four examples, uh, four examples that show what possibilities and capabilities additive manufacturing has. Mm-hmm. And when you're working with <clears throat> with customers who've you know used injection molding before, for example, how do they assess the quality of, of additive manufacturing? Obviously, they're used to a certain quality of injection molding. It's you know a pretty standardized process, and it's it's been used yeah. for for a long time. How does AM compare in their opinion today? And, and I guess what improvements then perhaps need to be made on on that front? I love this question because. This is something that I I have every week, one time, two times to, to, to speak with with customers. They are they are they are working with injection molding. And it is a very nuanced picture. You have the two sides. So the one side, uh, the customers they are working for years with additive manufacturing. So they build up the competencies that you need. They have the developers, they are thinking an additive, they are thinking, what can I do with the additive? And they have the expertise um, and the printers, the technologies, in order to manufacture the parts. And this customer saying, it's magnificent because I have some small quantities or individualized products. And it is perfect what uh, results we have with additive because we are much more cheaper and the quality is good enough. Good enough. So, and okay, we are speaking with them. What do they need? More quality, uh, effectivity, uh, efficiency. The process has to be cheaper. Okay, we are discussing with them, but they are thinking in additive. And then on the other side, we have customers that didn't start this way. They are thinking very traditional. We are doing this so because we did this the last 60 years so or 70 years so. And they are interested because our engineers, they are interested. Uh, can you show me your technology? Can you show me the parts? But they are comparing then the quality of the additive manufactured parts with the quality of the injection molded parts. But if you are doing this, you have to think that the design is created for injection molding and not for additive. Mm-hmm. And it's clear the quality from injection molding, you cannot you, you cannot make it, you cannot manufacture it with uh, additive manufacturing. So, and that's a process where we have to learn, where, where we have to learn. And I see a big potential in this process and in, in, in this I think there are a lot of companies that have much more potential starting with additive manufacturing and but because it's complementary when we're speaking about serious numbers for about 100,000 or 1 million, we are don't speaking about additive manufacturing, that's clear. But when, when we speak about individualized and um, part numbers, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, then you can think about. Mm. And that's 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 this picture where we have this one and this one and you have in the middle some customers they started and they are thinking and they are growing up with additive but I think they need a lot of time. In the additive manufacturing industry, <clears throat> there's often discussions about um, a reluctance from manufacturers to to change the way they do things. You know, if they've got a, a manufacturing process and it works for their applications. Um, 
it it can be a risk to to change that and to go and look at an alternative technology. Over over the years, has Arberg noticed any any reluctance or any hesitancy when obviously it's introduced this new um, technology and, and new machines? What's the response been generally from from the you know manufacturing spaces that that you work in? I think the challenging point is that it's a new technology and. You know, it's the same like injection molding for 60 years ago. Um, mm. It's a new technology, and in a new technology, you need three parts. You need a machine designer, you need a material manufacturer or designer, and you need the customer that has the application. Mm. So that every, and we are speaking now about industrial printers that are expensive. And you have now to adopt the findings of about materials, about application, about uh, machine, and you have to find the best solution um, for the material, for the application, for the for the for the machine. What I want to say, it's not so that you can sell a machine and say to the customer you can you can print now and the material is there so in our case customers are working with their proprietary materials or with pellets industrial pellets so they need a help from material um, um, manufacturer and they need our help also because additive manufacturing is a i would like to say it's a software process it's a digital process and you had a lot of process parameters and you have to know what to do with a machine. The machine offers a lot of possibilities, but you have to know this. So, and therefore you have a mix between competencies and it's very important in order to be successful, it's very important to get in this mix to get the perfect solution. So, and I think this is, the, the challenging process that we have now at the moment mm. to speak with with all with all the parties to 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 speak and to to help and to 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 find the best solution yes and and with that in mind how would you assess um the adoption of of the three formula systems so far and and i guess what markets have has arberg been able to step into with its additive manufacturing technology we have three points. The first point is we can print original materials, pellets. So that means original materials are very important for medicine and for aircraft because they are certified materials. And you know certification, you need a lot of time and energy and costs. So that that means that's a very important point. Secondly, the system, the freeformer system is a very precise system and with a very high density that's also very important for medicine in this case and for mobility sector especially for railway and, and aircraft mm -hmm. so and the third point is that our system has three printer heads and we can print uh, three materials in parallel 
and for applications that has that have to be designed applications that have two comp two materials something like grippers where you have a soft materials a soft material like a tpu and a hard material like a pa you can print it in one process step so that means industrial applications everywhere where you have waves um also important for automotive industry. These are very particular features for 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 the system. That opens um, the open windows in medicine, um, aircraft, railway, industrial technology, and okay, you have other. But I think there are more the the more the, the most important. And in terms of applications we, we've touched on a you know a few um potential applications of additive ma manufacturing technology you know grippers and, and tools and medical applications um with the the arbor freeform systems what applications um are they opening up today and and what do you see as the the kind of opportunities moving forward with with this technology a lot of applications but my favorite my favorite application is is um is a breast prothesis you can manufacture this breast prothesis with a free former because that's the point we produce droplets we can vary the density of the material and so we can or they can with our free former they can produce uh, the breast prothesis uh, <laughs> in different colors in different, uh, more soft or, or less soft. So, this company's the name is Sponge uh, Hashtag Two, Hashtag Two, and they produce with a free form uh, something like a sponge-like structure, in order to imagine. And you don't have the restrictions that you have normally in the silicon technology you know the discussions so it's the, the silicon prothesis uh they are almost eliminated by this and uh i think that can give women the courage to face life again as it's very important so mm -hmm. this is for me a very interesting application we have some other applications we started now the last two years. I'm two years at Arbok Additive as um, general manager, and we started now, but I promise you to speak perhaps in one, two years when we are uh, some steps further with, with, with the process. But they are very, very important applications. They are going all in the same direction mm -hmm. to handle with original material, to handle with soft or hard, uh, with two component materials, and I think there we have a lot of potential. One thing I wanted to, to touch on was um, materials, and, and last year Arberg partnered with McNano to to validate its polycarbonate ESD material on the uh, the freeformer pellet extrusion machines. Can can you explain the opportunities that that this will open up um, for users of freeformer systems, and and perhaps explain the, the strategy from a materials perspective generally. Will we see more partnerships like this in the future? Yeah. 
with Magnano, we developed um, 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 material uh, so that we can print functional static um, dissipative parts. That means with ESD. And if you need these parts with ESD requirements, you can print it with a freeformer in a very short time. So, and um, I think I think that opens um, that opens uh, new possibilities in in uh, developing and manufacturing parts in, in small series uh, numbers with ESD properties with this McNano material. And I think we will be very successful with this material. But the second question, it's right. My, my aim, my target is to get much more stronger in, in working together with material um, um, manufacturers, with material companies. And because I spoke about uh, about uh, uh, about this process with application material and machine developer, and I think this 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 um, collaboration with a material developer it's very very important. And so we are starting now a very strong cooperation with a strong material manufacturing for Germany. But we want we want to to increase to improve this way. Um, very strong in the next years. Coming on to a, a few industry trends now, um, since the COVID pandemic, uh, we've heard a lot about AM's potential to enhance manufacturing supply chains. Do you see this impact coming to fruition? And and, and if not, what are, the, what are the hurdles there? I see it coming. I was last year on the AMAC in Chicago, mm -hmm. uh, or, or two years ago. And there was a military company from from US, and they showed their plan to have some AM manufacturing stations in different regions in the world. So to be able to produce the parts that they need in the region in the world where the airplaning is uh, is arriving, you know, so. Um, they are thinking they are thinking in 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 this case they are thinking to have locally uh the manufacturing because i thought additive manufacturing is a digital process so you have the design you have the software and then you have to print and uh it's equal if the printer is in germany or in london or in new york or in baking mm -hmm. so but it's not so easy, you know, because it's not so easy because a lot of parts, um, parts that we have to print, the parts are designed for injection molding and are very difficult to, to be designed. So, and that's what we see now. We have a long way to define very early um, in the product process, we have to design very uh, to to define very early is the part for later for manufacturing by injection molding or for additive manufacturing or for both mm -hmm. and i think it's something where we have to think new to rethink i know that some companies in the automotive sector in germany are thinking about this 
but it's a second path that you have to open because normally you have uh, the prototypes, then you have the serious production, and then the aftermarket. And for prototypes and serious production, is AM the perfect manufacturing process, and for serious production, the injection molding. So, and that's I think that's the hurdle that we have when that we have in this question when when we are thinking about producing parts everywhere in the world. I think it will be work. It it will be working only for the parts that are designed for additive manufacturing but not replacing old parts that are designed uh, for injection molding or for handling tools and so on. So it's a long process, but it has potential. Yeah, sure. Um, another trend that uh, we see in additive manufacturing and, and I'm sure is, is talked about across um, traditional manufacturing spaces as well is sustainability. Many in, in the AM industry are working to make products and, and processes more sustainable. How, how, do, how do companies ensure the the products they're making are as, as green as possible and, and I guess the processes that make them are as green as possible but obviously they also have to maintain performance and and you know in, in the AM world there's a call to lower the cost of of machines as well how how yeah. do the companies and, and and the industry as a whole kind of navigate those several different challenges are yeah it's a very actual actual question um, we are all speaking about sustainability. I know as I was a child, uh, I never knew what sustainability is. Now we are all speaking, I think it's right, so, and it's a very important point. But Arborg is sustainable, I think. We have now, we are 100 years old, and we are green. You know, Arborg is a green logo, the machines are green, but not only the machines are green. Um, we have our a lot of own power production at Arborg. So that means the machines are, it's not only the color green, so the machines are produced with a green power. We are doing a lot. That's for us, I would like to say, an integral part of the corporate culture. A very important point. Uh, we are also in the Black Forest. That's everything, it's green there. Then we are, we are going a step further. So we have now the green machines. And the second step, what we are doing, we are looking on the process because we, we, we uh, produce machines for the customer and the machine is working with the process and this process needs power. So, and this power is not coming from Arborg. We have a green power, it's coming from somewhere. That means we are working very hard to make the machine more efficient. We are looking and comparing and 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 thinking about how can we make the machine more efficient? Uh, what's the maximal pressure that we need? Because that all costs uh, power. So we are thinking about this. And then it's the third point. It's the additive process. The additive process is sustainable because you print only the material that you need in the part. You don't have waste. You don't produce waste. So a little bit by the by the support structure, perhaps. But in principle, you produce uh, only the part. And we are speaking, I, I, I uh, said 10 minutes ago, that for us, very important is medicine. Medicine, you have very, very expensive materials. So and with these expensive materials, you don't want to have waste because every gram is a lot of money. It's something like gold, you know, 
And therefore, in the process, additive is green. And the uh, last point, when we're going further, the last point are the materials. They have also to be sustainable, uh, to be biodegradable or recyclable or something like that. And that's also a very big point for, for, for the freeformer because freeformer work, works with, with original material. So when the company says, I want, I have a sustainable or a biodegradable material, he can work with a freeformer. He don't need something else materials. They are specially manufactured for additive manufacturing. And I think these are sort of key points where I, where I can say, we are a sustainable company. We have a sustainable process. We produce sustainable parts or our customers produce sustainable parts. And at least um, we have customers, they develop their own materials. Uh, you can eat these materials, you know? So I don't want to say it now names, but we are going, the whole development of the material development in now in 2024, and I think in the next years is going in this direction, sustainability. So, and they can process the materials with our free format. It's a very important point. Um, recent guests on on our podcast have stated that the additive manufacturing com, uh, is currently, if, if you look at the, the Gartner hype cycle, um, it's currently in the trough of disillusionment, um, you know, so past uh, the, the kind of peak of hype and and before it reaches the, the plateau of productivity. What are your thoughts on that? Where would you place additive manufacturing as a as an industry and as a collection of technologies on on that graph? I agree fully what with with what you said because I can remember 2013. It was also the year where I started with additive manufacturing at another company, and it was a hype. We know all. They spoke about pistols and I don't know what. And and you had a lot of new companies, the Formnext and the Rapid DCT and in Birmingham and in Chicago, St. Louis, they exploded. Then it it was a hype. And we know from the Gartner hype cycle, I worked a lot with the Gartner hype cycle in my last company. We know that the cycles between hype and and uh, through of uh, disillusionment um very difficult word for, for me um there are 10 years and you need also 10 years depending on technology can be more can be less but it you need also 10 years to get in the plateau of production so and i think we learned a lot the last 10 years and we see it on our customers, they changed their, their buying behavior. You know, the last 10 years, a lot of customers, both a printer in order to show their technology competitiveness within the company. Now, we don't have these discussions. The customers, we are speaking with a customer about business cases. There we need also the material provider. And this changed for me. This changed after the Corona pandemic. The Corona pandemic was the cut, the edge. Um, before Corona, we spoke about our oh, price and we have a free former and it's very nice. Now we are speaking, we have this business case. 
what are the costs? And there you, you have, you're, you're, you're going in, in discussions. And this is for me also from my, from, 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 uh, from that what I learned and from my experience, this is a very, very clear signal that the market is becoming much more serious and major. And this is a very good signal. It's my opinion. Yeah. Um, finally, to, to come back to, to Arberg, um, and you know, thank you for your time today, Victor. What can we expect from, from the company in additive manufacturing moving forward? Now, we are, I'm, I'm, I'm two years at Arberg Additive, but a new founded new Arberg Additive. We have now a solution-based portfolio with a free-former pallet-based with a TIQ, filament-based, very nice printers, and with a silicone printer with a LSR. So we have a very strong portfolio. I think we learned a lot the last 10 years. We know what we have to improve. We are in the discussions with our customers and the discussions become much more serious. Um, I spoke it, I, 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 um, I said I said it uh, with a gap, I said it. The discussions are much more serious, but the serious discussions, we, le we learn a lot. What, what, what is the most important thing for the customer? And we see we have a lot to do in order to get the productivity of the machine higher. By same quality, um, the machine has to be economically. It has to be much more easier for um, for handling with the machine. It's not only the software and the HMI or the UI. Uh, it is also the material change. And there are a lot of things where we are working with complete new concepts remaining on the pellets, remaining on our concept, but in addition uh, to, to, to make something new and to, 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 to get, to, 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 to provide, to provide uh, the, manufacturing, the manufacturers a solution um, that is for them very interesting. So, and we are working very hard and I'm sure that we will have some very interesting uh, results in the next years.